Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon. It's the Monday night review show and we've got lots to talk about. Obviously, starting with um, the defeat by Chelsea on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, it wasn't what any of us predicted really when it took our predictions. Even the most uh, miserly pessimist wouldn't have wouldn't have pulled that one out the hat. But uh, certainly, I think we all had we had at least a draw, didn't we? Three draws and a, and a very very <laughs> optimistic win. In hindsight, well, yeah, that wasn't that was never on the cards, was it? From uh, about 15, 20 minutes in, it's me, Greg, uh, Tony Scott, Gav Buckland, and we're joined by Neil Jones, who was at Stamford Bridge for the Echo. And so I'll start with Neil as well. He uh, <laughs> he had to go down there and, and watch it. And like I say, Neil, really, it was everything weren't competitive at all. Where in that game, it looked to me like they were never in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot with the first goal, and then it it unravelled spectacularly. Really, um, I think I think there was a bit of encouragement when you saw the team and you thought, oh, it could be a bit of a contest with the three man of defence and you know going like for like, but. Within within five ten minutes, it was clear that going man for man was a bad bad idea for Everton because every one of Chelsea's men were better than every one of Everton's men, and Hazard, up until the first goal, had already had he'd already had far too much space and far too much influence on the game, and I think we saw as that wore on that Everton couldn't get anywhere near him to be honest, and it was um, it was one of them old fashioned sayings. I'm sure Preno would use this saying, but Everton were lucky to get nil. It was. Uh, it could have been ten for Chelsea, and and you wouldn't have actually been able to to have too many arguments. I think Everton had one shot on goal. They didn't create a single a single noteworthy incident in the in the penalty area. And Thibaut Courtois could have. I mean, he could have. He could have sat in the shed end in in the second half. You know, he, he had nothing to do, and that doesn't reflect well on on those players. I don't think. No, I know the ratings from Stamford Bridge. Ian Doyle was there watching it with you. And uh, alongside Phil as well, who's not able to be with us tonight, but the ratings were, as you'd expect, really low. The player ratings. Um, some people said they felt they could have been lower, yeah. felt we could have been giving out ones and zeros and and what have you. But is there any positives to your eye? Was did anyone um, do themselves any remote justice? Yeah, there's one. There's, there's one, and you know, it, it's an easy one, isn't it? And I think you can be a bit cynical and say, oh, how easy is it to to pick out a, a young kid who comes in? But Tom Davis came on for. 25 minutes and I said I said in the post-match video I said if I was Ronald Koeman I would be holding him up in front of that dressing room and saying to some of them experienced players he's just made a show of you because he do, you know he, he made a mistake he nearly gave a goal away you know towards the end he got he got caught in possession but just in terms of wanting to have the ball he was he was you know I don't want to single someone out but Tom, you know, Tom Cleverley in the game he had he had more impact in one move in the game than Tom Cleverley had in 90 minutes and you know that doesn't reflect well on some of these players who, who you know international players who've got good reputations and they've you know they've had a lot of praise from from the former manager you know the man who signed them most of them and they just they haven't they didn't deliver they didn't deliver at all and you wonder whether 
whether someone ever will, you know, you can you can maybe accept yeah. off days from Phil Jagielka and Gareth Barry and yeah. people like that, but you wonder whether some of the other players and some of you know, I'm sure you guys will discuss the names, but you do wonder whether Chelsea's more indicative of their evident future than than the good times. Yeah. So it's um, I picked the bones out of that one. I'd like to ask Neil, Neil, do you think this was a case of Everton being bad or Chelsea being really good or a bit of both? No, a bit, definitely a bit of both. Chelsea were good, but it's easy to be good, isn't it, when you've got confidence up and when you when you, you know you're getting space and you know you're getting time and you know you're not, you know, I know I know Coleman did rattle Costa, but that was pretty much, that was pretty much <laughs> the only rattle that yeah. Chelsea had in the game, you know, and you, you look and you think, you know, there was no, there was nothing for Chelsea to fear in the game, you know, Lukaku, I had one, one ball he had where he, he, he chested it and he, he had a bit of a run and it, it caused a little bit of panic in the first sort of 15 minutes. And after that, he had nothing. Balassi had nothing. Um, I, don't, I don't even know who played them. Barkley, that was it. Yeah, 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 I can't even think of I can't even tell you. Barkley touched the ball. I don't think, I think he took a corner. Um, there was nothing for them to fear, but they certainly, they certainly rammed it home. They rammed home that sort of, you know, the idea that they, if you give them time and space, they'll kill you. And they, they absolutely did. And, Hazard, yeah. Costa, Pedro, you know, all those players. Yeah. Start, I think saying that what what I would say though is we didn't we didn't mirror them though, did we? Because they were playing three four three, but we didn't it looked on paper three four three, but it was more three five two. Well you said yeah you, that was the conversation we had last week. You thought you'd mirror them. Yeah. Phil thought you'd go three five two. What be, what was it then? Because what, what I said if you play three four three or if you're playing a team that plays three four three what you've got to do, you've got to, in the middle of that, you've got to have two wingers yeah. up front. To, 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 for us, that would have meant occupying Moses and Alonso. Um, so so they'd occupied during the game. So they, But by playing 3-5-2, what it meant is like their back three can cover Balassi and Lukaku, which basically leaves Alonso and Moses free to attack because they've got, mm. they know they've got nobody that they yeah. need to cover. So that means that they've got effectively what seven attack, you know, as good as seven attackers on the pitch, and we that's why we were just hemmed in, because we had no we had no outlets, and they they knew that they could basically do that without yeah. having to track backwards. And that meant we couldn't get out of the area. It also meant as well. You mentioned Barfi there, which was the, which his role was was, was clearly undefined because yeah. in in you know three five two cleverly and Barry both play. Sort of in in front, so can't play front defense. But Ross, Ross is all. What are you? Are you part of like sort of defense, or you part of attack, or a bit of both? And in the end, he just appeared, and not necessarily down to himself to 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 have a clearly undefined and role. And uh, I, I said before the game, you know, when I saw the lineup, interesting to see where Ross played because we had a big discussion last week about where Ross would play based on how Kuman wanted to to deploy his tactics, and it was clear to me that. If you're going to do what you're going to do, do three four three. Don't do a sort of hybrid where actually there's a couple of players on the pitch you don't know what they're doing. And I think once he did that, we were on the back foot, straight straight away. Mm. You, you've got to play the two wide men to occupy their two wide men, and we didn't do that. Was it like what Phil said? Was Ross supposed to have a very disciplined role to when we didn't have the ball to drop deep? And I, then you know, I was he asked a very specific? Yeah, it looked like he was playing vaguely sort of left of centre further forward than the two, you know, so, oh, you know, right. so almost sort of a little bit of a link man, but there was no chance for him to drift into a, a position where he could get the ball. Because we hemmed in, because yeah. we, give the, we give them the initiative space away. I don't think it helped as well that Everton had, in key areas, both, i.e. the centre midfield and the, the wings, 
they had weak weak players and you know again we've seen Cle cleverly again but Oviedo for example yeah. Oviedo can't handle players who've got strength and pace he, he he's not good enough to do that he's not yeah. he's not you know he it, it's telling that as soon as Kuma made the change he was the first one off because yeah. I think he felt with people like you know. Um, Pedro and Moses and Costa drifting over to that side of the pitch, it could have got it could have got even messier with 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 that lad there because he was he was out of his depth and you know as as someone who's we you know we've seen Victor Moses down the years it was it was one of them moments where you just wonder what they've done with what Chelsea have done with him because he was like a, he was like Danny Alves like playing down there but I think Everton allowed him to be because he had the right he had the flank to himself because we we gave them the initiative. And we've said on, to be fair, on Friday, we said if, if they go with three at the back, that Funes Mori Oviedo axis is, is that, an area that, that is, is. It was a bloodbath. But it was, you know, it was. If you're Ed Nazareth, you're just going to look at the weakness of Evan. And we said to him, we said, what's the weakness of Evan? You've seen Oviedo and Funes Mori. Yeah. You're going to play on that. And then you're going to have Coleman. He must have thought all his Christmas has come out once there. But, but, going back to, you know, I think people have been, justifiably so, Quite easy to link. Everton go three four three or three five two, whatever. Change the normal setup and get be five nil. Therefore, it's because he changed tactics. Actually, it wasn't. It was because you know, you know, Motson is sort of prone to a bit of hyperbole, but Chelsea played as good as as anybody's have seen play against Everton for a long time. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. But if you if you looked at the goals, is it's not really maybe the second one. It's not really down to what we're talking about team shape. It's down to people switching off and not doing the jobs properly. Hazard get you know Hazard in gets the ball okay in in the channel. You've got, he's, mar, he's he's covered by two international class or international defenders who are both captains of their country. Dare I say? And apart from Coutinho, the one player in the Premier League you don't want to be able to yeah. turn inside is Hazard. And guess what? Two international defenders mm. allowing to turn inside. Now that's not tactics. That would happen whether you're playing four four two at the back. That's just down to two defenders and, and switching off. The second off. one is Everton kicked off, and 24 seconds later is in the goal. You shouldn't give the ball away in 24 seconds. Yeah, never yeah. mind, never mind, can see the goal. Like Everton should be capable of taking the sting out of the game once they've gone one 0 down and, and just just yeah. building a little bit. But I I, <laughs> I don't even know how they lost the ball. To be honest, I just I just remember looking up and seeing that Hazard was running through and thought. Neil, did like... you see a different Gareth Barry performance without it? Just a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had, he had a nightmare. Barry, he, he looked. I think I wrote. He looked every every minute of his thirty-five years. You yeah. know, he, and it didn't help that, to be honest, Chelsea have got two monsters in there at the moment, mm. haven't they? In, in Kante and Matic. You know, Matic looks like the player he was two seasons ago. Kante mm. looks like the player he was last season. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's not going to help Matic. But he just yeah. He, yeah, oh, he also didn't have a lot to, to hit, you know. I mean, Barry Barry's a decent forward passer, and he can wrap the ball into people, you know, in forward areas like we saw at Burnley, for example, for the goal. But there was not the, he was either pressed out of it or he was too deep. He was forced too deep that he he couldn't he was having to hit long balls if, if he had to play a pass. But I mean, that's that, that's too easy, you know. Yeah, it's too yeah. easy to say to say just a guy would have would have saved the day there because yeah. I think I, I think. The problems were far deeper than, I, I, than that. I think the second goal you spoke about there is, I think that was the one goal I thought where actually the team set up influenced it. Because if you play three at the back, if one of your three pushes out, then what you need is one of your midfielders or one of your wing backs to come in and take their place. 
And the disappointing thing for me for the second goal is, as you say, we've just conceded. Is Ashley, Ashley Williams absolutely steams in, doesn't he, on hazards when hazard is, yeah. is, 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 is already there with yeah. Barry. Instead of just standing him off and letting him take, he steams in. And he doesn't make doesn't he does that with nobody covering behind him. And as soon as Hazard's away from him, he's now left a load of space yeah. behind him to run in because nobody's come across a covering. And and he's steamed in. Stop because you're chasing than, the game though, Gavin. Well, he, he may have been frustrated because he scored, yeah. you know, maybe that's it. But you know, they're expecting the experienced defenders who's played he's played three at the back to now yeah. operates. And he should have just 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 held the line or if he if he if he's gone in, make sure that somebody's behind him and and neither was done. And so once Hazard runs in, then he's got he's got that's why and that's why Hazard runs in and that's why Alonso, which will come to in and Costa are like on their own effectively when the ball comes across because Williams yeah. is bomb, but bombs in. But the really disappointing thing about that goal for me was is Coleman because Coleman's facing Alonso Not when he, when, yeah <laughs> when Coleman Coleman's facing Alonso when Alonso passes to Hazard. Okay, so at that point, Coleman is probably five or six yards closer to the Evan goal than what Alonso is. And you watch Alonso when he's past it, bombs on, and Seamus is looking at him. Mm. And Seamus looking at, and Seamus only realizes that Alonso was a threat when Alonso was about like foot thirty, forty yards yeah, from yeah. goal. Seamus is just strolling back. He's got to run with them, and by the time he's he's realized something's up. It, the game's over then. Alonso, Alonso's in the air, they're on his own, unmarked, and he scores. And and it was that goal that I thought was part tactical, but part shame of switching off. You know, it's if you play far aside yeah. and that happens, you'd expect to get all the clock yeah, by yeah. a teammate. And see, you're just looking at him, and Alonso's bombing on, and Seamus is just so If back, that was part tactical, Gav, does the Kuma substitution of Kevin Morales just hold his hands up and say, I've messed up here? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think that, I think. Well, you know, me and you were yeah, talking about yeah. it yesterday. Yeah. We'll move on to Cumin in a minute. No, can I just say, no, maybe not, no. The players have not operated the tactics effectively that I wanted them to, is what he's saying there. Because Ashley Williams, he's playing three at the back, Ashley Williams shouldn't do what he, what he did. But by taking a left back off and bringing a, a yeah. sort of winger on, that tells you everything that he's messed up on his formation. Well, no, 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 I don't think doesn't I tell you that he's 2-0 down. And, yeah. and no he's got point, probably no point, point in the game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 that's right. I'm not sure... He's done it twice, hasn't he? He's done it twice. He's done it at West Brom this season, didn't he? Yeah, well, there was half an hour gone on that and he's done it again. But I don't think, as I say, I don't think we were 2-0 down effectively because the tactics, or we got beat 5 0 because of the tactics. We got beat because, you know, we picked the two goals there. The third goal, Jags, what's he do? He slices what is a pretty straightforward clearance out for the corner. When the corner comes in, we've got eight men. So if you don't think it's the tactics, Gav, if Everton go with different tactics, um, do you think we're getting beat 2 0 with if, half an hour gone? If we play 4 4 2 for argument's sake? If we play 4 4 2 on. Oh, against Chelsea? But I think it would have still been the, the same result. If, because 4 4 2, you would have still had Coleman and Williams covering Hazard, wouldn't you? I think what really galled me, really, really kind of compounded, you know, yeah, Chelsea were great, and I spoke to Phil and, and Neil, and you've got to, there's got to be a party that, that concedes sometimes in football that the other teams. Yeah. I've got a, yeah, a hand yeah, yeah. In, in results, and, and Chelsea looks, uh, you know, for another planet. Just I think everything clicked. Whether they're going to sustain it, I don't know, but it certainly clicked for us on Saturday. But what really upset me was that, and Tony has said it before, Cumin was left after the game, and Cumin's not blameless. And I'll, I'll tell you what I felt about Cumin in a bit, but he was left to talk about basic things like aggression, like winning second yeah. balls, and like work rate. Now, if 
if you're lacking that on a Sunday morning playing for Ragars FC, mm, yeah. then you know you're not playing football yeah. properly. Why are Everton lacking those things? Why did you look at Tony when you came <laughs> <up> <laughs> 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 Hey, we played well on Sunday morning. No, it's it's because we were talking about it yeah, 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 on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's just for me. There's there's that motto in in the Finch Farm gym, isn't it? You know, like hard work beats talent. Mm. If talent doesn't work hard, yeah. they may as well just whitewash over that after mm. that performance because it, too many of those players just seem to me like they switched off, they weren't interested, the heads went down. Well, like two goals had gone in, the game was still salvage, salvageable to mm. some degree at 2-0, but you couldn't see it from the body language of those players. And like you say, when Seamus Coleman stood there, letting Watch someone him. take it, get a run on him like that, what is that? Nobody's seen that not, performance coming in. No one did. Not no. from what we've seen this yeah. season. No one neither. So why is that automatic? Why is it all of a sudden happened? Well, it's a good question. I was comparing it to the Man City performance. Total opposite. Yeah. But Man he did City. get his tactics right. But yeah. his, his setup was perfect the way City played. Yeah. Um, by playing today compact in the, in, in the midfield, it addresses like the way Silver and De Bruyne are later playing around the penalty area. But he didn't address that perhaps to me, personally, on, on, on uh, Saturday, but I don't think that's the full explanation. You are right, even though we're getting beat, we just didn't really have that, that vigour and commitment to show that City, where they were, they had, when City played at the ball, we had two men on them all the time mm. and stuff, and that's, that's, an, that's a uh, mystery. It does, does help that you know Chelsea played far better than what City did, to be yeah. fair, like, but it was apparent, and... That was a disappointing aspect of it for me. Well, what do you think, Ronald Koeman? Obviously, he's learned from that performance, from his team. A lot of them are spineless, well, yeah. to me. Um, Neil, what do you think he's learned from that performance? I don't think he's learned anything, no, really. I think he's just learned that there's only so many players that he can hang his hat on, and some of those players are no better than squad players. Yeah. And I, I would even, I would even question... Oviedo especially, I would I would question whether he's a squad player even yeah. at Everton because he's not good enough. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to dig him out and, and be cruel to, to him, but he's someone who, who doesn't have the requisite strength and and sort of ability to to read situations that you need to play in the Premier League and in in this type of especially in this type of Premier League where there are no you know you you can pick the bones out of teams and the way they play, but. They're all organised. They're all switched on. They all know how to win a game if they have to. You know, from from top to bottom. We might we might exclude Mr. Moyes' side <laughs> um, in that. Although he got one at the weekend, but um, there's no mugs. You know, they're all they'll all take advantage of you if you're not good enough. And some of, some of those players, you know, two or three of them at least. And I think it says a lot about some of the players that were on the bench as well because I didn't see Gerard Delafeu getting his top off. You know, yeah. this 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 whiz kid from Barcelona yeah, yeah. Who, could, who can save it. I didn't see him getting stripped. Valencia and, again. And of Valencia, no exactly. No, not not a chance. You know, who, who else? Who was going to come on there and change it? You know, Kevin Morales was lucky to be. You know, he was sort of, he was Hobson's choice, wasn't he? Basically, yeah. he was. Yeah. Look around, okay, yeah. he'll do for now. You know, as I say, it says it all. Tom Davis was the one player who, who showed a little bit, and maybe that's. Maybe that that will stick in Cooman's mind going forward because I think we might see a bit more of him. Do you think we're learning now why he's looking at that squad and he's probably thinking, I know why this squad was finished in the bottom half the previous two seasons? Well, well it's the, the, the George Graham coach who said the other week that when the manager walks through the door, he's got to turn around to himself and say, well, these are the players who got the previous manager in the sack, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that in the about Evan per se, but like that, that, in terms of their ability, the 11th and the 11th speaks volumes. Um, so... 
the expectation. I mean, to be fair, the expectations have been heightened, haven't you? You know, mm. the fact that we had a good start and mm. well, we're still six, though. Seven, seven. seven. Um, but the reality is, is that once we get to Christmas, where we have that three or four real tough games in December, we'll have a better idea of where we really stand. But I agree with Neil that he probably didn't learn anything new. Having said that on the podcast over the last two or three weeks, we said the same thing, haven't we? How many players are good enough to, mm. to stay with Koeman in his three years, perhaps, that he's here? Um, and he probably didn't learn it, you know, anything no. new from that. Uh, the, the, other, the other point, sort of, that you'd make is that I don't think, I don't think there was, there was, there wasn't really anger from Ronald Koeman in, in this game. Like, I would, I, I think he almost, not expected it, but I, I think he almost thought, I think we'll lose, and I, I think I asked him actually after, in the press conference after the game. I said, "Is it healthy that Idrissa Gay?" And and let's let's not go too overboard on Idrissa Gay. Albeit he's had a good start, Idrissa Gay isn't isn't you know a world beater yet. He might he might well turn into a good, yeah, very good yeah. Premier League midfielder, but he's not. He, he's a decent player. Like why is he so important already to to this team? You know, yeah. it's usually. You could cope with a new sign and being injured, but already he's only been here three months, and already they're talking that you can't take him out of that Everton team because he can't cope with Elton. And I think the same would be said of Williams, albeit he had a poor game. I think I think his absence would be as keenly yeah. felt as anything. Balassi and Balassi yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they're they're new signings. It's not like yeah. it's not like you lose you are losing mainstays from last season. Mm. It's it's new players who have come in and already are indispensable. Yeah, but yeah. is that is that because is that the answer because he's brought them in because they embodied the values that he wants from players? Yeah. And and that and that's it. Not like it's just a guy. He just said, well, he wants to. You know, he he's got the characteristics I want to be in a player. What we're talking about, mm. Tony. You know, fight, desire, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. As does Williams, um, and and that and that's the answer. Um, and that's a point about the players that he wants in the future, and maybe showing perhaps some of the shortfall. Yeah, I, I need more players like yeah. yeah, I think you know what I would say about Kerman is that I understand that you know, like like Neil said, he was obviously didn't show his anger, and he said, I think he said, you know, it's only three points that we've lost, that he's right to try and put that in some perspective and. And what have you? I would probably like to hear a bit more anger from him to maybe reflect how the fans are feeling. But that's a dangerous game because if he starts digging players out, we need till January. I realise that might not be the most pragmatic approach. But more than anything else, and I suppose it, you know it doesn't happen much in top flight management these days. It certainly never did with Martinez, who I might add was more competitive at Stamford Bridge last season than than Cummins team was. But Martinez was in his. Third, almost third season. Cummins had a few months. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But Cummins got to play, hold his hands up for me, whether it's in private or not, and accept that he, he takes a portion of the blame. Whatever he did at Finch Farm last week didn't work. It, tactically, it didn't work. He got totally add off by Conte. <laughs> yeah. fact, we're talking about Barkley and what was his role. Happening. Now, yeah. that might have been the player executing that, and we probably think it was. But yeah. was the message simple enough? He had time yeah, to yeah, get it right. What, I mean, yeah. what else were they working on? Yeah, he he's... weren't competitive in the game. I mean, yeah. I just the mind boggles. They got an absolute hide, and I, I think you know, Tony, you're right. No one expected that coming. I mean, maybe it is expectations have risen, but I think you were stunned when it, it was yeah. almost a stunning it, result because no one's seen it coming. Did look at that defence. You know, Second Williams, Jagielka. 
we haven't even mentioned Stakelenberg. Yeah. Is he good enough now going forward? Well, or January does all of a sudden when we said in the last podcast, I sent like a a number two striker was the priority. But he's got to use these players till January. Greg. He's got to be careful. Actually, yeah, well, I said that. I know yeah. he's, he's hanging his hat on them now. He can't be critical of them. He can only. Well, throw so much at it, can't he? Well, he swapped LFA, he swapped Morales, he swapped Barkley, he's tried everything. He's yeah. tried absolutely everything with them. If the players don't want to know, what can he do? Yeah, it is his job. Yeah, but if you look at it, you're thinking, all right, we've played 11, 12 games so far, we're sitting in the top seven. I think Everton fans would have took that. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've got, you've, I've got to, that, that's, that is the, the rider, isn't it? Is that, you know, they've been in worse positions this yeah. time yeah. last year, the year before. It reminds what Cumin's got at the moment reminds me of when Brendan Rodgers took over at Liverpool and that first five months until he got he got two signings in January, he got Coutinho and Sturridge and for five months he sort of you, you almost you could see him looking around thinking oh, these are these yeah. these are rubbish you know I've got to play John Joe Shelby here up front in games mm. and I've got to play Joe Cole in games and things like that and then when he started to do it and that, but that's that's the challenge for Everton can they do it in January can they get two players who just go like that and ignite it they get a new goalie maybe and he, and he, he changes everything he gets everyone organised or they get a striker who takes some of the burden off off Lukaku mm-hmm. you know notice Charlie Austin scored on Sunday for Southampton yeah. and you think what was it four million he got for Southampton yeah. Yeah. what were Everton doing Tony wants to sign him didn't he did you make a bit yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to be fair, I did. I did say I thought a goalkeeper was our number one on, on, on yeah. Friday, and Took I didn't see anything. On, I didn't. I didn't see anything on Saturday to dispute that. Usually, um, the ones you wanted them back in the in goal. Yeah, but it's fine. But better Rob after Rob Lesnar plays yeah. well, that's a fair shout. Fair shout. Yeah. I thought. I yeah. thought. You know, and I thought it, it did make a couple of good saves, to be fair, in the second half. But I mean, the other, the other player that worried me on Saturday, and, and I know we spoke about him last week, was Jags. He just, I mean, he got done by Costa twice, didn't he? One for the, I think one of the second time was the goal, wasn't it? And the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first one where Pedro did the, did the uh, nice flick and he played in Costa and he just ran past Jags. And I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking back to when Jags had, had sort of Torres in his back pocket, you know, in 2009, and there was two games at Anfield when he was like, he's really at the top of his game and he's brilliant in both matches. Yeah. And he hardly gave Torres, apart from one, once where he got in, a kick in those two matches and he was brilliant. And I was thinking, if that was Jags 2009 against so, Costa on, on, on that Saturday. That recovery that's not, pace that he used to Yeah, it's not. And reading it, he just got, he just got done. I and think what showed me on that goal, I think obviously he got skinned on the halfway line, turned, and he sort of gave up. Leaving him back, and I think Gareth Barry even went past Jagielka <laughs> to get back to yeah. him. I'm thinking he looks shot, he looks gone. I think we we now know why Cumin told told us last week, didn't he? Basically said he isn't fit enough for game by game by game. I'm gonna have to leave him out, put him in, leave him out, put him. Fair and that, and now we're known. Now, now we can see yeah. why that. I was just a bit, but you know he's got. I know he's in, still in the England squad, but don't know how. He's got he's struggling. You know he's got some work to do when. As Neil was saying before about the players who are capable of still going under foot, going forward under Coombe, and Jags has got a lot of work to do between now and Christmas to 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 show that that's the case. Because I was a bit worried about him after after Saturday in particular, where to say apart from a real foot clearance for the third goal, he, he got he got done a couple of times where a few years ago that would never have happened. And it shows how desperate he got when he tried to put Funes Mori at left back, and then. That was just the rest of the disaster at the end there. He was just getting skinned every year, wasn't he? Definitely. Well, Neil alluded to January, and that's uh, obviously not a million miles away. 
uh, on the positive side of things today we've we've heard a little bit more um, from our our well de facto owner the man who, who's got 49.9 percent of the shares Fahad Mashiri he spoke to uh, Jim White on TalkSport earlier today and he had quite a lot to say really relatively brief interview but very interesting for Evertonians uh, very frank um, maybe didn't say a lot of new things that, that we didn't know in some capacity but certainly very interesting just to hear, well, to hear him speak at any length because he's someone who hasn't done a lot in public. Uh, it was that short video after Chelsea last season when he'd not long been in uh, by Everton TV and then previously snippets of tweets between him and Jim White. Mm-hmm. Um, he said lots though, didn't he? What, you know, what's your, what was your initial reaction having heard Fahad Mashiri come on and talk about it? I have to say, sorry, just ask you a question, but uh, I think it was savvy PR because I think what he's probably done is turn the mood a bit amongst Blues who were pretty pretty dismayed, pretty disenchanted, pretty fed up and uh, after that thrashing and he's gone on and I think he's been quite savvy and I think it's maybe changed the mood and shifted the focus. Is it so correct because if he does that after a win then he gets calls, oh he's only coming out when we've just beat someone, where was he when we were getting beat against someone last week? I don't know, I'm just saying I think it's not after the win so I think it's quite savvy PR that he's, he's surfaced. So now. a lot of owners come out after the big glamorous win or a cup win and say oh yeah this is the future, this is what we're doing, yeah. but he's doing this after the 5-0 defeat. I think that's more uh, laudable to be honest with you, because yeah. anybody didn't come out uh, after the win. as well Saturday wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was yeah. doing, yeah. he'd been... He'd been Putting old by, by Jim White on the um, mm-hmm. yeah. sound. I think it was back. refreshing. I think you, you can see his plans. He was quite open and honest. You can see he weren't lying about any of the questions that he was asked about the stadium, the finances. Evan have never been financially better off for years, have they? When you're looking at it, he's telling you about the signings he was after, why they didn't come off, the stadium issues, the promises. And I really thought it was refreshing. And you've seen it, you've quite rightly used to say after a 5 0 defeat. Now the moods, you're looking at Everton fans now, if you ask them, yeah, I'm happy now because we know what's happening to Everton Football Club in the future. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, he thought, come across as a thoroughly decent chap, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, to be fair. Um, I thought, from a financial perspective, the most interesting thing to me was when he was talking about the debt and then like paying that off and then the stage of needing to drive income and then the commercial needs, needs to, to improve. I thought that was interesting. And the yeah. financial yeah. fair play, you know, all the time with the financial fair play aspect. He, he coasted figures, didn't he? Yeah. He can only spend what we spent last year for seven million, I think yeah. he said. The answer is the stadium. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he, and that was the most interesting thing. So I think um, he obviously sees, you know, the fact that we need to, we've got to change that actually he can't come in like and throw two or three hundred million quid in because financial fair play you know negates mm-hmm. that you, you've got to be very savvy how we generate income in the future and he's obviously got a clear vision on how we should do that and i thought that was the most interesting thing I, apart from confirming from dare i say from the horse's mouth you know about the transfer dealings at the end of at the end of the summer and that they were in for cool barley you know 60 million quid as well, I think. I don't know whether that was euros or, or quid. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, that that was interesting. But he also then added the rider, didn't he? Well, Soho's suspended, Perez is yeah. injured. And there's, there's a couple of things. don't know whether you say maybe might have dodged a few bullets there, but um, he was. It, that was interesting. And it just come across, you know, in a short space of time, he covered a wide range of, yeah, of yeah, subjects, to be honest with you. Uh, and I thought it was just, just refreshing. Yeah. And fair play. Do you think, Greg, when he, he said, I think there were three points that he made at the start, he said, when I first come into Everton, there was three things he needed to do. Clear the debt, get a star man on the touchline and the stadium. And he's more or less, he's done two of them so far, hasn't he? Yeah, it was, well, he called um, 
he called Northwest of Hollywood of football, didn't yeah. he? And uh, he said he needed someone A-list on the touchline, and you know he's gone out and, and to his credit he's done that. Cleared the desk. Yeah, <clears throat> I think Cumin needs to really start delivering on this Hollywood billing, yeah. Because what I would say is that yeah, as a player, his reputation was rightly second to none. But as a manager, I think if you compare his CV to the other three, it's not quite up there yet. And you know, Saturday was a reminder that he needs to. Yeah. We we hear so much about how ambitious Cumin is, which is great. Um, but he's got to take Everton with him, and he's not going to have by his own by his own body language by what you you glean. He maybe isn't going to be here for 10, 10 years like Moyes was. He wants to take Everton with him, and he maybe obviously the high Barcelona and jobs at that level. So he needs to uh, he needs to get on with it. He needs to make sure Sat- yeah. Saturday is an exception. It's to only me. after like this is eleventh game, isn't it? Twelve, thirteen games. I think if Jurgen Klopp's first twelve, thirteen games last season, he didn't win many, did he? Remember them getting beat off Crystal Palace and Newcastle and Watford three nil, and it didn't go smoothly there. He had to get a transfer window in and get another one in. To get his thoughts across, with this he's only had ten. We've games, lost games though under Cumin, um, but I don't. I, I would not all favour Klopp's record when he first came into Liverpool. But I don't think they ever got a hiding like that. See, no, that Watford. I don't think they got systematically outplayed yeah, yeah. in the he, first. He, he also took over mid-season as well, didn't he? As in, he took over he, after five, six games. Two, didn't he? Yeah. he didn't have a transfer window until yeah. the, until the January. Um, and whether did they have stronger players Liverpool than what Evan have got at the moment? I think he had a good he had a good window as well. Yeah. Um, Clock didn't he? he? Got he had the chance to get it. it was about fifteen players, didn't he? I think about <laughs> seven in himself. Cumin yeah. hasn't had that chance. He had to see what he he's had first. Where Klopp had the chance to see them players because yeah. the season was underway. Yeah. Because I, I was going to ask Neil actually, because um, I know you follow obviously the red side as well. Is Evan being taken over and like Liverpool being taken over in two thousand and ten? What's what can you sort of learn from Liverpool's? take over and to apply to Evan do you think? I think, I think you've got to learn that there's going to be mistakes you know you think one of the first things Liverpool's take over did was appoint Damien Camoli and then you know spend a lot of money on, on players a specific type of players to play a specific type of way basically for for Andy Carroll you know who, who was a, a sign and you know a white elephant pretty much wasn't he you know a white donkey if you like an injured white donkey <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah yeah um but that, that that that's what you're gonna find. I, I I think there was a there was an element of naivety in some of the some of the stuff that Mashiri said today. In that, I don't think you want I don't think you want to be washing your your laundry about transfers in in public and and sort of letting people know that you know Musa Sissoko what said he was gonna come and then change his mind. I, you know we we obviously the story's been reported, but I don't think you want to hear from that from your owner really that you you were sitting there ten minutes before midnight. And and you got a phone call saying he wants he wants to go and play in the Champions League. I think you should have known that before you went in for him. Do you I think he owes that to the fans though? Because he's been silent for so long. Ever fans does that, does that make it feel any better? It, I mean, it can make a lot of Everton fans feel better. The owner of the football club has came out. Yeah. Does, and put, does it not go to your head and think, okay, Musa Sissoko said no. So what was two, three, four, five on the list of Musa Sissoko? Well, he went through them all, didn't he? he went no, 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 no. What was who was, was Musa Sissoko's backup? Who was, oh who yeah, was I totally second, agree. You know? I totally agree. Why, with that. why was Lucas Perez? Where was is Enna Valencia come from? You know, where yeah. was the Lucas Perez backup? Where was your your Gabby Adini backup? Where was your Koulibaly backup? Yeah. But don't no, forget, was, this was, was Williams. Your this was in the. This was obviously with Steve Walsh coming in as well. It all turns up with that, didn't it, as well? Yeah. I, I, I personally think, for me, from an Evertonian's perspective, I think it was good to hear from an owner of a football club. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're spot because on. And, and it, for, certainly for Everton as well, because yeah. it, we, that we, is something we, that gets just, thrown about yeah. a lot, doesn't it? As in, you never hear from yeah. 
15, 20 years, you learn yeah. nothing. Because, so, yeah, like, obviously, Liverpool and Everton, same city. So, in terms of the American owners of Liverpool, what's Liverpool fans' sort of attitude to them, communic- how they communicate them? They're not great. Not, yeah. not great. So, I mean, what, what, um, what Tony said earlier, really, you know, they, they sort of turn up for the big occasions. You know, they'll be there for the United game or a, a, a Europa League final or something like that. But I don't think you do that. I'd be surprised if you got John Henry on Talksport after, after you know Liverpool have been battered somewhere, you know, that that thing. But I I I thought generally what Machiri did was all right. I just thought he maybe gave a bit too much detail about about some of the some of the failures or some of the some of the frustrations that he had. Because don't forget, I I I'm, there's a piece I've written for tomorrow's paper that it's, they're gonna have to do it all again in January. It might be even harder in January too. You know, you might be getting Napoli saying they want 80 million for Koulibaly because <laughs> yeah. we're halfway through the season. We can win yeah. the league here, and yeah. you know that type of thing. And I think, I think to sort of out out yourself that, you know, you've you 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 fell victim to a few games and a few little um, tricks. And I think maybe maybe you wouldn't have done that again if you if you'd have uh, if you'd have had the chance. And I think come January you might be a bit wiser as to the transfer markets and some of the some of the. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that we, in my to my memory, for the first time we had someone senior Everton confirm that there was a covenant bank charge on the Park End land. Yeah. So that's why it was was traditionally considered one of the reasons they can't expand on Goodison. Uh, from what I from what I gleaned and what Farhad Mashiri was saying, that's now been settled. Um, the bank no longer has that charge. Everton own that uh, that ground now. To me, though, was I mishearing this? Was he almost dangling the prospect of developing Goodison as well? No, because he he he, he said, I owe the new stadium to the fans' loyalty, didn't he? Yeah. I owe this new stadium, stadium to the fans' loyalty. Yeah. yeah, but why was he talking about, he said that there was a, they were unable to expand on Goodison because of that bank charge, and on, 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 we know where well, it obviously is. Obviously, they probably thought of that idea, haven't they? They tried to redevelop it. And now it's just, you, you can't leave without Goodison now, can you? Well, we were always told we couldn't for various reasons. It was too expensive. And I think one of the reasons was because of this bank charge, which I, had occurred. I, I, what I gleaned from it is that he's viewed the two sides and made his mind up where he wants to, yeah. to build a stadium. I think he basically said, I come over, I had a lovely train journey the night with Mr. Ken Wright. He said, I'm sure that was fun. We all wish we were on that carriage. Um, but he said, we had, I went with the mayor, I viewed the sites, and we have in our minds, we know where we want to go. And I think that that refers to the two sides that he went and did. did and he's got to be careful. He can't come out and say, "Yeah, we're dying to go to yeah. the King's Dock." Yeah. Sorry, King's Dock. Exactly. He can't come out and say that they're absolutely dying to gagging at the bit to get to Bramley Moor yeah. because it just gives Peel absolute, you know, power in negotiation. Yeah, yeah. So he was right in what he he withheld, and you know, he, like I said at the top of this section, he. He didn't reveal anything that was like a bombshell no one knew. Maybe he said he confirmed... I think he did, Greg. I think a lot of Everton fans think we're forever in debt and we're, we're For him to come out, your owner of a football club, and say, we, we can go where we want now. We are no longer in debt. We are debt-free. Now, I think that for Everton fans, is, that's music to their ears. Because yeah. me personally going up, watching, oh, we're in debt, we're in debt, we have to sell our best players every single year. Now, for your owner to come out and say them words, it means yeah. a lot to them. I think what is. The other thing, I mean, I don't know how it, how it works, but I would imagine you're trying to maximise, um, well, minimise the, the spend you've got on interest on debt, isn't he, as well? So that means you've got money then to, to buy players. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah so I think, yeah. I think that's all tied in with that as well. Um, because it was interesting talking about the stadium generating income. Now, 
if, if it'd be interesting to see how that's funded as well because you've got to build the stadium yeah. and pay for it, haven't you? Like, you know, um, it will eventually, but you've got to, you, have you know, you've got to, you, so it'd be interesting to see how, how, how the stadium is funded. But, but if he's saying that he needs that to generate thinking, it might be a completely different funder model by Arsenal have done theirs or any other one has done. So that'll be an interesting thing that'll come out in time. There was some very good, I, I'll point to another couple of things that he said. I thought we were very positive because I, I sound like I'm being quite negative about Machiri. What I'm not intending to. He said, he said the manager is there. We trust the manager. He said the owner's there to hire and fire managers, and then after that we let him get on with it. And I think that's that's refreshing in an era when that doesn't happen very often at yeah. a lot of clubs. And you think of Chelsea, for example. You think of, you know, Leeds, you know, yeah. a decent sized club, and what and Newcastle. You know, you think of what's happening. It was nice to hear that that's that's his mentality and that's his his vibe with the um, with the place. I also thought he was quite good on on saying that we will find a way to compete. That, that was one of he said you know you might get nine hundred million pound kit deals and little loopholes and stuff like that that you get with Manchester City and name and rights getting sold to yeah. you know other companies that you might not think oh you know are they not can, can um, part of that club? And he said but we will find a way to compete. He said one way or the other and I know it's easy to say and the proof will be in the pudding but I think it was as Tony said it's nice to have someone with a bit of a plan yeah um, rather than rather than sort of platitudes of your life or, or nothing and he knows he knows it's football as he said he come across he said last year we had a terrible home record the club is going in the right way our plan was to get into Europe at the start and we're on target for that the manager will strengthen where, ne- where it's necessary so it's not all doom and gloom he was a uh, little that's European for for a football club that's been in the bowels of the Premier League for two seasons on a spin, and for him to come in and basically demand European football within the, within his first off, that's some st- that's some statement for me. Do you think of planning and demanding it can be two different things? Well, if, if it doesn't uh, happen, something will be done about it, surely. I, I would uh, imagine that would be part of the. the, the, yeah. the Cumin, wasn't it? I, yeah, mean, yeah. I don't think you'd have got Cumin without. If you'd have said to Cumin, yeah, we'd go top half. I don't think I don't think Ronald Cumin would have swapped Southampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah and planning for European football, Cumin must be we're going to give you the funds so you can compete for for European football. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think it goes back to what's a good season for us. It, you know, as long as we're going in the right direction on off the pitch and we so we finish eighth and don't qualify for Europe or ninth yeah. or whatever, I don't think that'll be yeah. and we've yeah, strengthened in January. I don't think that'll be the worst worst season. Um the January, you know, what we've learned over the last couple of weeks though is is and, and today is like the January transfer window takes on well, it. Um, more, is far this more the biggest important. in the club's history? Did you go as far as that? No, nah, I'm not I sure. Don't, I don't think you could. No? I mean Probably not transfer window, is it? But Everton have been on, you know, fighting relegation, haven't they? Yeah. And they have to go and buy players yeah. to keep them up. You know, I, I, I don't think you can say it that. But uh, oh, say I, mean, it. I mean for the fans, Neil, because if they don't see big signings, then I think a lot of them will have lost the faith because we, we're this well, is right, a new tone, a new way in Moshiri because he's yeah, promising, just, he's promising, and if it doesn't happen, you just think he's just another bluffing. But no, I, I don't know. Yeah, you've got to have a full summer transfer window with your manager, owner. And head of football all in but place. But that, that'll be in two. That'll be in two windows. No, but January transfer window, you don't get the movement of players, do you? 
Um, if anything, I'd be expecting a couple of big star players. Never mind. It's On the basis people. of the performance of Lukaku. Lukaku, yeah, Lukaku. And I tell you what, if it's just a guy carries on as the way he's going, you'd be looking at somebody might be saying, "There's only the players that he's probably actually bought." You know what I mean? So it might, you know, it might not be one-way traffic in terms of gossiping in the end about players in January. What are you? Sorry. No, what I would add as well is that it is refreshing to hear from, like we've all said at Dechola, to hear from the man at the top at Everton. It's good. You know, long may it continue, I think. Um, but I think for now, I, I'll judge him less on what he says and more what he does. You know, you need to be... Tony's right when he says, relatively speaking, let's keep it in perspective, he's only been here, what, nine months? Coming up to nine months. Mm. But, you know, Everton have waited a long time for progress on, on things like the stadium for a bit of ambition and thank God that they finally got it but let's just let's just see when alright he did a lot of positive things in his first window there were a lot of mixed results as well towards the end of it um, let's see that the evidence they've learned from that in January I would hope deals are being set up as much as they can be now and that there's a long list of players for each position and if someone knocks them back in the first yeah. couple of days of the window they can react quickly yeah. and move down the list so yeah. we're not waiting until the end of January and sweating on someone who, who, who just gives us the heave and yeah. goes to the top four. I, I just think it'll be difficult in January. It will be, that, but that's, that's not an excuse, though. No, that no, no. Can't be a, because can't they, be they had the summer, though, Gav, so they can't use that as yeah, an excuse. Oh, we, we had the summer, or we had a new director of football, we, all that. you did, can't keep using excuses. We, we, oh, we, we didn't have the summer, though, did we? And, and good good the same, play, same players who available in the summer are not necessarily available in January, are they? Mm. So I think we have managing expectations, ain't that phrase, but... In January is a key thing for, for people at the club. But having said that, did you, based on the evidence of Saturday and you know last few games, do you need to be seen to be doing I, something? I, even just building up, getting another set of you yeah. know four or five players who you know can do a job for you without being the marquee signing. <laughs> yeah. you, know? I think so. you, you can't you can't do it all straight away, and you know there's very few. There's a couple of examples, and not in fact, you know, I don't wouldn't even say Man City an example of doing it straight away. Chelsea are probably the only example I can think of who've gone and pretty much bought a new team because they had money and and got it working straight away. You're gonna have to sort of say, as horrible as it sounds, you might need to write not write the season off, but you might need to sort of accept that this season is a bit of a a transitional season. And I'm, I'm going yeah. that's that word. All right? you, you're saying managing expectations. I'm saying transition. And yeah. Everyone else is throwing the phone mm. at the wall and imagine at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But you might need to just say, look, we can't. We, we need to learn to walk first, and not run. They've, they've been eleventh last two seasons. If you look at Moshiri, really, just say positive, positive number one. He got rid of the manager who, yeah. who did that. Positive number two. He got a manager. Whatever you think of Cumin, he got a manager that. Was at a club higher up in the league. Yeah. Was number three. He got a director of football from the league champions. Mm. He got him to leave the league champions and come to Everton. Four. He may well have broken Everton's transfer record if yeah. Balassi comes to fruition. Whether you think Balassi or not. So he is spending money. He he got a very good price for Everton's prime asset. One yeah. of Everton's prime assets. He he got over the odds probably for for John Stones. Yeah. In what he was worth. So he's done good things. He's 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 already made some progress on the stadium front. He's, as Tony said, he's cleared the deck. So there are positives there. It's that's just in the that, space of eight months, isn't that's it? That's in the space of eight months. But, but you can't... You, that might just be the new the new bounce. You can't, maybe you're not going to get another eight positives in, in, yeah. in a, a month of January. You might get one or two. You might get three signings and one of them works out, but he might be brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, you, I think you've got you've to just take it as it is that January is a, can be difficult. 
and it might not solve everything. It might just be that you, you solve one or two of your problems and three or four of them are still there in the summer and then you've got to, you've got to go again. I think on the stadium option, Greg, just reading his quotes from before, it says, for our football club to compete in the northwest of England, the Hollywood of football, as you said, we needed a star, so we got Koeman. I paid the debts. We have a very strong balance sheet and we need a stadium. The fans must know we have done the hard bit now. Mm. That, that's promising that. Very promising, yeah. And like I've said as well, it was interesting to hear that with this post kind of like, you know, financial fair play world where you can't just do what Chelsea did when Abramovich first yeah, came and in. He mentioned apparently, that, didn't he? apparently, and apparently well. it's still, you know, yeah. you still do ask questions about how it works yeah. and like Neil was. You need to work out the way around. You need to, yeah, you need to work. I get savvy yeah. about how to play the system, basically, yeah. don't you? Which, you know, yeah. interesting deals of sponsorship and naming rights can often seem hand in hand. One thing I did, just touching on, um, it was interesting to hear, it certainly wouldn't do anything to put to bed the rumours that we hear repeatedly about Alicia Osmanov. He was at the game with Alicia Osmanov. Now, his great friend, uh, even alluded to when he had his shares in Arsenal, Machiri. Yeah. It's not going to sound to anybody who believes that Osmanov might one day come res- uh, riding into Everton as well on the back of uh, Machiri. I I've certainly don't know that he will do, or mm-hmm. I've heard Dean that. Yeah, Mr. Dean. Exactly. David Dean, of course, who was, we, we understood, played a big part in bringing Mishiri to Kenwright. And it was interesting to hear as well, he did 12 months worth of due diligence on Everton. He did. Now, and he was a fan even under the David Moyes era. Yeah. He, did, he loved Mr. Anichi. He's trying to buy him back in January on the basis of this. Yeah. Well, I told you, big, big wide left on side. That's exactly what we needed at Chelsea on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Somehow we've managed to end this Monday Night Pal with a smile on our face. I don't know how. Um, it's probably just the ale. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, we're, we're obviously in international break to get through now. We'll have a pod later on in the week, which um, I think I mentioned on Friday. It's one to look forward to. And uh, we'll reconvene as well next week to start looking ahead at Swansea and a very big game as well. Thanks for listening.